going to give a, a little bit of a uh, catch up over the last couple of weeks. Students, welcome back. Way to be here on time. This section was full at 1030. Let's just get respect. Respect. Mercy for the rest of you. What I started talking about a couple of weeks ago was a, uh, a larger message that I've been working on for a few decades, that when I was, when I was in my mid-20s, after a lot of difficulties and a, a moral failure in, in our pastor and kind of a disaster in the life of church, things of nightmares, Susan, uh, remember in the uh, second week of September of uh, that year, she turned to me and she said, well, we've now lived the worst day of our life. So it's, it's all uphill from here. And our hearts were really in pain. It, we laughed at that thought. But some of you, you've remembered some of those times, uh, the worst day of your life, places of great loss, and you're going, how do I put this thing back together again? And in, in my life, after years of digging... And, try, and reading the Word and praying and desperation and frustration, then God wants to, to grow me up. He has a plan out of Galatians 6.1. You who are spiritual, restore. Those of you that are growing in maturity, your job is to bring life to others. The ones that have fallen down, help them get back up again. And even people that you think of, you know, that was too big a sin. We, couldn't, we can't deal with that. I don't know if God can forgive that. We want to grow in being unintimidated by sin and impressed with God, His life and His power and His ability. So out of all of that is uh, this perspective. So that's the first week's message is let's, let's mature and be those who can restore. Last week, I uh, talked about the the, the number one thing that happens as we set off in this pattern of, I want to go for you, Jesus. I want to grow in God's purpose for my life. Is we, we have what can be called a honeymoon phase in our life when you we first come to the Lord or after you've walked, uh, come back to Him. And every, just like you could pray anything and it happens. Just mercy and grace. Wow, that's cool. Let me ask for something else. And... Then you hit a place where your past or wounding in your life emerges. And you hit, so you have this great goal. You hit a place of like, oh, wow, here's my stuff that I'm dealing with. And it keeps you from moving on into momentum and development in your life. Because instead of choosing to be closer to people, instead of choosing to be closer to God and receive His truth and walk in accountable, accountability and deeper connection with people, you pull away in fear. And you say, sad, mad, or bad is the phrase that I used. Uh, the depression, the sadness, the, the, the memories, the negative memories of the past, or the anger in your life because of these things, and then your own behavior that how many times, you know, whatever it is, for each one of you, you've got something that this kind of spirals downhill. What's your pattern in life where you go, instead of going to God for comfort, you go to something or someone else? So we're, we're walking in greater wholeness. 
Lots of opportunities for amen throughout this entire sermon. <laughs> and I say walking in greater wholeness to you today. Me too. Yes, me too, Jesus. Greater wholeness. Get me back on track of God's purposes. The, the way that I normally teach this is uh, after sad, mad, bad, we're moving into accountability. And then we talk about how to really practical steps of giving and receiving correction, getting our relationships functional and getting over the bumps. I'm sorry. I didn't understand how that affected you. And also, that hurt. We need to be able to do both of these things in a way that we can recover and move on and not, like my experience when I I talked about last week, as a college student, my roommates together, the two of them, there's three of us in an apartment, and they told me some things that were wrong about my attitude, and I tanked for three days. I went into a depression because to me... At that season of my life, any negative input, any correction meant, I don't like you. Anytime a person spoke to me anything other than affirmation, it was rejection. And that was my sad and bad, bad and sad and, yeah, that thing, yeah. Sad and mad, bad cycle went down toward rejection, a negative, like I... I deserve rejection in some way. I'm going to lean into I'm going to milk that negative thing for all it's worth. And I went and barely got out of bed for three days. The Old Testament talks about, uh, in this one passage, it's kind of interesting, giving a guilt offering. I like to go and say, you know, your guilt offerings don't work anymore. Walking around and you trying to have some level of guilt instead of going to Jesus and getting forgiveness The guilt offerings don't work. You need to be forgiven. You don't do penance of feeling bad about yourself for some period of time. You know, some of you say, I need to feel bad at least five minutes. Some of you need to feel bad for a month before you actually give yourself some grace and walk back in intimacy with Jesus. We don't want to do either of those, long or short. Man, we're catching on here. We're getting some traction. So... Uh, all of that built a, in me a paradigm of what it means to get up again and the progression of my life toward God's purposes, His highest and best purposes for my life. So today, I'm not getting an accountability. This message is how to develop a teachable spirit. How to say... Yes to the pain of truth, instead of running from it in rejection. Uh, I really believe that what I'm talking about today is how to functionally walk out humility. This is an elusive concept. You know, it's, it's, it's like put a tag on humility and we immediately perform in some way. And so it's, it's difficult to talk on that subject and be accurate. But if I say how to be teachable, how to develop a teachable spirit, then it may be a little more inviting to you. I want to turn to Proverbs chapter 2. And let me, let me tell you, I, I, want, I want to preach in such a way, I want to speak, I want to talk in such a way 
to where God's word is as sharp as possible, that it cuts us accurately like the finest surgical instrument and hits right in the spot that we need it. And, and it's a difficult thing because uh, that requires a level of trust in the speaker, a level of trust in intent and in character. And so I just want you to know that I mess up on a regular basis. And I need this message. This message is important to me because I need it so much. Not because I've got it all figured out, okay? So y'all just, anytime you feel like I uh, step out, just have mercy on that poor man. <laughs> Jesus, help him. Help, he needs it right now. Help him, Jesus. All right? So, with that confidence, I can step out here and say some things that I believe are kind of challenging, Anybody like to be challenged? Is that like, I think, I think you like, say, I love truth. I love truth. That's why I'm here. I love truth. All right. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, my daughter. See, uh, Solomon's talking to his son in these Proverbs. But uh, I, this, I could tell my daughter this. If you accept my word and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you search, if you look for it as for hidden silver and search for it, excuse me, if you look for it as silver, search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How much do you want truth? How much do you want what is really true for you on an individual basis? I'm not just talking about fighting for a concept of truth out there. But instruction that comes that is accurate and you can hold on to that thing. It's like, ow, it hurts, but it's so good. Are you crying out right here? It says, are you looking for it like a lost hit, a lost winning lottery ticket? Is that how much you want truth? Are you crying out? I need wisdom. I need understanding. And you're not spending your time going, I don't know if I want that. Do you want truth enough to rearrange your schedule? Or is it inconvenient? I, you know, why would you want Truth. Why would you want God's word, which is truth, more in your life? Because you want your life to change. Because you're tired of your brokenness that you keep replaying again and again, year after year. You're tired of it. I want to change. I want truth. Because you want to restore others, you want truth in your own life. Because you know that you can't change the world until you're changed. My wife and I and our four children lived in Indonesia for 10 years. I've been involved in a lot of different aspects of the the mission process. I know leaders of organizations, people that have fully given themselves to the gospel, going to every tribe, nation, people, and tongue. However, the most broken people I've met in the world are missionaries. 
I remember a time being in an airplane, flying into Thailand. I'm sitting next to this guy, and he had been involved in a very, very rough human trafficking situation. A noble effort, but he was full of bitterness. He was angry at everybody. He was angry at everybody in every part of the equation. And the further you dive into need in this world, the harder it is to have a pure heart. Because it hurts so much. So you're, even if it is a noble purpose, and this guy was giving himself to a noble purpose, but he was one of the most bitter people I've ever met in my life. If he, if we are going to change the world, we need truth that brings accuracy and wholeness and humility in our lives. Why do we want truth so desperately? Go back to Proverbs chapter 1. To not receive truth means you live out something. This is not the way you want to go. The first part of this passage, I'm not going to read this, but it's wisdom is calling aloud. Understanding wisdom is at the top of the street crying out. And the 24th verse, but since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when your calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me. But I'll not answer. They'll look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Some of you under your breath say, Mark's a nice guy. He marks a nice guy. I know he's going to say something nice soon. Solomon is telling us right here, this is God's word. His Holy Spirit on this man is saying, if you ignore wisdom, if you ignore understanding, it will be disastrous. In chapter 2, we go back, forward, and we see that truth is like a guardrail that protects you from going off the mountain. Truth protects you from evil people. Truth saves you from adultery and all types of sin. And the basic message of Proverbs is, again and again, there's all these different ways of getting the message out, but it's, it's it's a powerful thing. 31 chapters in Proverbs, 30 to 31 days in the month generally, except for February. It's a great daily exercise to make a part of your devotional life and to get this message in again and again and again. There are years of my life where I read a proverb every day. And it's saying, don't be a fool and think you've got it all figured out. Learn how to receive wisdom and correction. 
So, how do we move forward in this? How do we grow in learning how to do this? I'm going to make three basic points. And I'm, you know, I am so aware of how limited I am every time I'm communicating in any situation. But I, I think there's some significance in these three points that I want to make for you today. So you can get a hold of this. And just, you know, there's all through this whole process, when we move toward truth, what happens? Hurt comes up. So anywhere in this message where I, there's a pressure that you feel coming, you know, what this guy's it's like something's happening. I, I'd like to think that's the Holy Spirit is bringing something to a point in your life. And if it brings sad, mad, or bad, go there with Jesus. Say, Lord, what's going on? I know you have a plan for me that is good. Go there. So I'm going I'm to move us forward, okay? It's all right? I'm going to press in even more here. If you want to learn how to develop a teachable spirit, if you want to grow in the substance of humility... First thing is you've got to get a new definition of the word correction. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. I love this. You know, it's, it's a long title, but it's, it's a functional part of my own personal study. It's got all of the New Testament words in the English and the Greek listed out with great definitions. And it says, correction suggests the broad idea of education. Instruction, learning, and teaching. Correction is a developmental process. It's not punishment. So, okay, here you are. You're uh, in kind of a new place, something you're, you've been on a vacation or road trip, you're out somewhere, and for some reason you find yourself entering the interstate at 2 in the morning. You know, you just, you pulled over and you got, I used to, uh, I was dating Susan. She was in a medical school 90 miles away from where I lived. And uh, midnight or so, I would head home and drive back and I needed some stimulation. So I got two Dr. Peppers and two Snickers bars and just loaded up for my trip. So imagine that. You just downed a massive load of candy and whatever caffeine you can get your hands on because you've got to go some distance. You're in on the interstate, going down the road, and it's dead everywhere, except in the rearview mirror you see these lights spinning behind you. And you're going, uh-oh, what's going on? Sure enough... You're a respectable citizen, so you don't try to overrun them, outrun them, and hide somewhere. You pull over the side of the road. State trooper comes up to you with this big, brown, broad-brimmed hat. It's got a kind of a gut, you know. And he says to you, do you know you're driving the wrong way on the interstate? Correction is good. It'll save your life. 
You got to get a new concept here. They're not out to get me. They just kept me from killing me and somebody else. Get a new definition. Number two, deal with perfection and fear by becoming a coachable person. Now, we we have a, a pattern of wanting to do it right. I that I applaud that, you know. Make good grades. Do it right. Every chance, you know, excellence, we want to go there. But somehow in our walk with Jesus, that type of performance sticks in us in a place where we stop receiving grace. And grace is the empowering presence of God to do His will. So you moving in, I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to do this perfect. I'm not going to make any, every mistake. Instead of getting on your face in the morning and saying, I'm a mess. Help me, Jesus, to do less damage than yesterday. That sense of perfection is going to just reinforce a cycle of rejection and failure in your life. So, uh, I have watched a little bit of sports on television, not as much as some of you in this room. But I love this interview. They come, you're talking to a coach, and they say, here's my, this great athlete, or this, this athlete on my team, and they say, what I love about this guy, this girl, they're so coachable. What do they mean when they say that? What does it mean when, this, when the coach says, hey, I, this person is coachable? And I love that concept. This whole idea of coaching is something that uh, Susan and I have given ourselves to, and we've been training and communicating. We're building a coaching culture here. And it, it means you want to improve. And you don't improve until you find out what's wrong. You say, I, so I, my exercise is swimming. I swim laps. And I just did this for a number of years, and then I finally thought, there are YouTubes that could help me. <laughs> YouTube videos, you know? So I, I'm watching the videos, like, oh, yeah, this, if you do it like that, you don't hit the guy in the other lane. <laughs> and, uh, you know, breathe out when your face is down, and your legs don't have to go like this. You kind of go more like this number, so your propeller go forward. I, I want to improve in my swimming, and so I'm saying constantly, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And I ask strangers that are lifeguards, like, hey, you know, got any ideas for me? It could help save somebody else's life. You're coachable. You're coachable in your, in your character. There's things about you that you can't see but everybody around you can see you. It's like, help me. You got anything 
that can help me? Can I improve this? Can I improve my tone? Can I improve the way I'm, I'm doing evangelism? Can I improve in my relationship in this way? I want to turn the dial. It's not win or lose. It's, Lord, we will go forward. My little bride, this cute little girl over here, when I was first started dating her, she had this thing on, I will, I will, I will improve. This is a t-shirt. She's denying that right now. So, um, it was on the back. I don't know. Okay. It's a special memory that I hold just all to myself. But it was true about her character. It's like learning. So the concept there of my disastrous illustration with my wife is improvement. We are, we are not, it's not win or lose. It is turning up the percentages. There, it's a, Major League Baseball is amazing to me. It's like we're having a winning season. We're, we're like 0.65. We're awesome. I always think, wow. But it's true. There's a small, little tiny details that are addressed in sports at that level. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for improvement. So the opposite of coachable is to fear correction. Usually because of pride or rejection, again. So pride is, how dare you say that about me? And rejection is, I knew it was true, I am worthless. Instead of, we're improving. Whatever research that's going on, you're, you're going, I want to turn the dial. We want to improve this. We're, we're looking for every a thousand different ways we can test this. And every failure no, is a positive, right? It's like, I don't, I'm not going to do that anymore. I do, how would you like to not be finding what's wrong for two years? No. Get it out there. Last point I'm going to make related to this is lean in. I like the title of the book. What I'm going to talk about, and I think that's part of the, the, the book Lean In. There's a book called Lean In. The author's name is Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah. CE something of Facebook. She's in the the C-suite somewhere. Lean in. Wake up ready. Lord, come and get me. My dad's office, um, when I was in college, I remember this specifically. He had this thing called an Argus poster, and uh, that was popular in that decade. It's about 15 B.C. And... um, uh, and they'd have little pictures of animals with cute little sayings and everything. And this one had a, had a little gopher, like a bunch of gophers sitting around. And they had little yellow flowers. I don't know if it's a daisy, but it, they're sitting there holding these things. And on the poster it said, learn to eat problems for breakfast. Lean in. You're not thinking, I'm walking on eggshells today and I hope... I don't do the wrong thing. You're going, bring it on. 
We're not saying, I hope I don't make a mistake, but today we're going to solve some problems. Today, I'm going to have interactions that affect me in some ways that bring truth into my life. I'm leaning in. Leaning in. Do you ever feel strange in a relationship? Something's going on, some kind of distance there? Don't wait. Go to them. Say, is everything okay? Is there something? Is there any way that I've offended you? Is there anything that's wrong? Lean in. Get rid of the imagination of rejection in your mind or grab a hold of the substance of truth that's an opportunity for you in that situation. Lean in. Pursue evaluation. Now, when you are growing up, all through our grade school years, you come to the end of six weeks, 12 weeks, quarter system, whatever it is, and you get grades. That stops when you leave formal academic education. You stop getting nice, accurate, you know, talked well with other students, didn't chew gum at the wrong times. You stop getting all of that feedback when you leave a formal situation, and it becomes very difficult to get people to give you input. They will avoid you. They'll say, ah, it's a problem over there. I think I'm walking on the other side of the road. You've got to lean in. You've got to want input. And there are some rare individuals that will risk giving you input. I'm not talking about the guy that's screaming at you and cursing you. I'm talking about a person that says, hey, can we have a talk? I want to have a conversation. Don't run from those people. Say, yeah, please, let's do. Don't have nightmares before the conversation. I'm going to talk about specific ways. You don't need to do that with a big drum roll. You don't need to do it two weeks ahead of time and send them several warning comments. You're lowering the wall to giving and receiving input. You're making it gracious. You're trying to, to make it taste good. Lean in. Change your stance from, what do I do if someone corrects me? What if they, what if they think this, too? How can I develop a pipeline that is growing of truth and input into my life? This guy named Ted Roberts, who's over a ministry called Pure Desire. It's an excellent book. It's two books that I'm going to be emphasizing a lot in a lot of my interaction over the next few months. One is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the other book is Pure Desire. The thesis of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is you can't have Spiritual maturity without emotional maturity. And the thesis that Ted has is something like this. Lord, if there's anything in my life you want to change, take your best shot. You want to start praying that prayer in the morning? Roll out of bed? He's got funny stories after every time he prays that prayer. That's leaning in. Lord, if there's anything in my life that you want to change, 
Take your best shot. Now, that's, that's, uh, let me see. Guys from somewhere in the West Coast, so I'm trying to figure out what his culture in that. He was a fighter pilot, so he's a little bit cocky. He's feeling good that day. He's feeling loved, feeling warm and fuzzy. Jesus loves me. Take your best shot. That was right about the time he wrapped his door around the basketball goal coming out of his driveway. It's an interesting story. The point is, <laughs> I don't know if that's a very good point right there, actually. <laughs> I'd have to tell that whole story. So I'll go through that whole story. It's in chapter 9, I think. You'll want to read the book. But he prayed this wonderful prayer in the morning, and then something happened that exposed something in his heart. Impatience and arrogance, kind of a chip on his shoulder. Got to give me your best best shot. But the the point I'm making this morning (laughs) is can you, what is that? That's leaning in. Is there something in my life you want to touch, Lord? Is there anything that you want to say to me? And I guarantee you, 99.99% of the time, he's going to say, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm with you. I know what's going on. That's what he's saying. He says that a thousand times more than, ah, there's this problem here. But because of your fear... He's not getting the positive message in. Because of your performance, you can't imagine him saying all throughout your day, I am with you. You're going to make it. This, is, this momentary light affliction is not going to last forever. Now, all through everything that I'm saying this morning, I'm... I'm wanting to, to move into this loop. We have a vision. You who are spiritual, restore. I want us all to grow up. I want to get to the next level personally, okay? I, I want to I walk in more of the character of God. I want to walk in a place of developmental fruitfulness that impacts my closest relationships and impacts everybody that I interact with. I want to not be intimidated by brokenness when I come in contact with it. And see, Jesus is, he can restore and walk in faith in those situations. And then I understand, boom, I hit this wall, sad, mad, bad, ouch, oh no, I am worthless, what am I doing here? Take me now, Jesus, beam me up, Holy Spirit, help me, somebody help me. And he's talking to you. He's bringing something in your heart that he wants to heal. And then, as we, it's not two different roads. It's, it's really part of this loop that is growing. Where we're moving forward. It seems very circular, but actually there's forward momentum with this. We're hitting a lot of these same patterns. We're hitting hurt in our life, and then we're stepping into purpose. We're getting a vision And then we're hitting a place of discouragement. And then we say, 
but I want truth more. And, and it's, it's an integrated process to where we're releasing the grace of God in our life by saying, give me a teachable spirit, Lord. Show me what true humility is. As the worship team comes forward, let's stand up right now. Do you want it? I was kind of trying to be motivational today. <laughs> Bring it on, Lord. Can, you, can some of you... I, I challenge you to pray that dangerous prayer. Lord, is there anything in my life you want to touch? Do you want to... Is there anything in my life you want to heal? Is there anything you want to say to me? I, I like this. I want zero resistance to the Holy Spirit in my life. As I kick over my water bottles. As I do awkward things, I just get up again. Jesus, help me. Come and work in my life. Lord, my, my wife and children deserve more. Change me, Jesus. My friends deserve more, Lord. Work in my heart. Lord, that broken person I'm so intimidated by, change me, Lord Jesus. Transform my life for there's greater substance of you resident in me to be able to be poured out. Start asking. Stop staring and start asking. Just ask for yourself. Lord, work in my life. We're leaning in today, Jesus.